Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I've got something to, to share that might be a bit embarrassing. Okay. Sometimes when I am killing time, when I'm just bored, and I you know just can't muster the energy to even read a book or turn on the television, mm-hmm. I go to the internet and I take personality quizzes. Oh, that's so embarrassing, Molly. Well, I've taken some embarrassing ones in my time. Like what, you know, what designer shoes are you? I mean, like, what kind of cocktail would you be? Like those things things? like that. Yeah. Like what's your perfect city to live in? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes they seem right. And sometimes they seem like a 10 year old wrote them, but it's always a good time. (laughs) It's fun to learn things about yourself that you can only learn by answering questions. Yeah. And I love clicking. (laughs) <laughs> clicking, clicking, clicking on the mouse. internet. Yeah. It's a good workout. Well, Molly, this podcast was just tailor made for you then. It was. I had a good time this week learning all about myself. Yes, because Molly and I both explored something called the Enneagram personality test. And I never heard of this test before, but essentially you answer some questions. You can take a free sample test of this on the internet. And there are nine possible results that you can get. And your result will tell you about your personality, both its strong points and its weaknesses. Right. It's supposed to describe more the why we do what we do based on our personality rather than uh, how exactly we behave. And the Enneagram is represented visually by a circle, and then there's a triangle in the middle and all of these other points spanning out from it in a symbol called an aneagon. Right. It would be helpful to have a visual for this because it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, I'm really not describing it well at all. When you go online to take your sample test, you'll see the circle and the nine points and the and the shapes. 
Right. And those, all the, all, all the different shapes and are divided into three groups or three triads that are, um, kind of broken down by, uh, I guess what sort of rules your behavior, such as your heart or your mind or your intuition. Mm-hmm. So now this, this might take a while, but why don't we just go ahead and go through and give a brief description of all the possible personality types. Okay, well, the first personality type is uh, labeled as instinctive or perfectionist. And this person's core motivation is to be right, good, correct, and justify themselves. Um, but this, on the flip side of that, they also have a background emotion of anger manifested as criticality and compulsive and a compulsive need to improve the things around them. So you can kind of see just with that example how there's good things with all of these and there are bad things. Right. All right, the second type is the caregiver. Very helpful person, wants to be loved, wants to be close to others, uh, very warm, attentive to others' needs. Just a great friend to have, but when uh, they don't get what they want, they become very aggressive, resentful. Um, you know, they just kind of act how they want, and, you know, they want something back for all that sacrifice they've done. And then next up, we've got number three, which is the high achiever image focused, who is really into pleasing others, um, being successful, just really going for it and trying to be the best. But at the same time, they have an underlying lack of self-recognition and a problem with generating true self-esteem. They're almost so driven towards their goals that they lose sight of other things around them. All right, type four is the individualist. This person is very introspective. Um, wants to express their emotions, usually through art. They're very into artistic expression. They like to think about their feelings. Uh, they emphasize, you know, their uniqueness. But they're also very withdrawn from their emotions. They may be shy, self-conscious. They struggle with low self-image. Um, and they might just sort of be, you know, alienated and in their own world. Not not very good with relationships. And then we've got number five, who are more of the detached type. And they like to observe and understand, because become an expert in a certain uh, subject area. And they really want to comprehend the world by understanding it and kind of making it feel safe for themselves. But at the same time, they're sort of relationship avoidant. They're, they just pull into themselves. All right. Personality type number six, their core motivation is to have security. They respond very well to authority. They can anticipate problems. You know, they want to fit in. They're friendly, practical, um, very much about interdependence. Um, but when they have unhealthy manifestations of type six, then they become fearful, insecure. They're scared of punishment. They can get paranoid. Um, you know, they don't like nonconformists. And then we've got number seven, which is uh, the adventurous type. And that really kind of says it all about their positive attributes. And then their unhealthy functioning is not surprisingly um, low impulse control, uh, strong appetites. Um, I guess maybe you can be food adventurous as well. And uh, sort of racing ahead. They're mentally just racing ahead without taking all the necessary steps to to reach their goals. Type 8 is very much uh, the alpha type personality. They're strong. They want to maintain dominance, exert power. They're very protective and confident, aggressive. Um, but they like to wield control over their environment. Uh, so that, you know, can get them into some trouble. And they also see the world as doggy dogs. So they might get very combative. They may, um, you know, step on other people to get what they want. And then to round things out, we have number 9. And they are the calm ones. Their core motivation is to feel peaceful and tranquil, undisturbed, 
connected to other other individuals. But on the flip side, they really don't exert themselves to relate to their environment in a meaningful way. They're almost just so peaceful that they just kind of fade out, fade into the background. Now, when you read them like this, both the positive and the negative, you're probably thinking, none of these describe me. I don't want to be any of these personality types. But rest assured that these were just very brief overviews. And um, when you actually read the more extended versions, which you can easily find on the Internet, you might be able to pick out better exactly which one applies to you. Or you can take an online quiz. As I've mentioned, I love these. So as soon as Kristen sent me some links, I was taking quizzes just all all the live long day. And do you want to guess? I told Kristen, I, I can't make her guess. I am a four slash five, which means I love my little fantasy world. I'm constantly seeking knowledge and artistic expression, which I guess makes sense if you're a writer for how stuff works, because you take in all the knowledge and you put it back out into an article or a podcast. Um, but you know, I'm a very relationship avoidant and not good with, you know, my self image and you guys are just learning a lot about me, obviously, just through knowing my number. I feel like we should be sitting on a, a comfy couch and in low zen lighting <laughs> right now. You really could. Um, I, Molly, am a personality type three. I'm the high achiever, image focused, also high anxiety type, who is uh, so focused on really taking over the world that I might lie my way to get there. You're very success driven, which I think, you know, as your podcast partner, I can only hope you'll take us all the way to the top. Yes. <laughs> yes, Molly. Now, Molly, while it's very interesting to find out this stuff about ourselves, mm-hmm. which we'll get into more in depth later in the podcast, I thought one of the most interesting things about this whole Enneagram personality test was sort of the history behind it. Right. I think it's interesting to know where this test came from so that we might give it a bit more weight, a bit more consideration than we would to just, you know, an okay Cupid quiz. Right. Um, so now the actual symbol of the Enneagram is very old. Um, dates back to ancient times, Pythagoras, uh, the concept of the nine personality types it comes from very old teachings from the fourth century, the Kabbalah, which began in the 12th century, um, ancient Sufi teachings. But the test as we know it today is actually not that old. No, this this test was more developed in the 1960s. It was basically the symbol itself of the Enneagon was brought to the West around 1900. And then from there, it's sort of been uh, developed by um, a group of people over the years into this personality test. In fact, one of the names you might see associated with a lot is a guy named uh, Don Riso. And so his site is where we got a lot of our information but we also had the chance to get a lot of information from someone who knows a lot about this. Uh, her name is Lisa Oz. She is the wife of Dr. Mehmet Oz, and so she's been on his show a lot. She hosts uh, the Dr. Oz show on uh, the Oprah radio channel. She's written books, and she's very much into spiritual teaching, so she was the perfect person to talk to about this. So let's get... Let's get some information from her about this. Right, because Molly, the first thing that, that Lisa's going to talk about is the fact that while you and I love taking these quizzes, you really don't even have to go online to take a quiz to find out your Enneagram type at all. And, you know, you don't have to take the test. If you read the nine different personality types 
fairly quickly, even though you at first you'll see yourself in all of them, and then you review them and you'll say, well, I'm definitely not a one, a nine, or a seven. And you can start narrowing them down. Um, usually you'll get to like two or three. And if you just sit with them for a day or two, suddenly one will hit you. It's usually when you have that dread feeling. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm a whatever it is. My, my brother-in-law, for example, is a four. And he's very artistic. He's a director and he always liked to see himself as very unique. When he saw himself on paper completely mapped out, he, it was, he was overcome with this feeling of dread that he was a cliche. And the worst thing you could be as a four is a cliche. So it will, you, you don't need to take the test. You, can, you kind of have an instinctive knowledge of, of, and self-awareness. The other thing is there are a lot of books out there now. There didn't used to be, but more and more every day you'll see books being published. Um, again, my favorite is Richard Rohr's book on the Enneagram because it does have the spiritual dimension. And it's not just I'm this number and leave it at that. It really is about um, a path and growth and becoming more fully who you actually are. All right, Kristen. So we have determined, you know, that we are, you know, you are a three. I am a three. I am a four slash five, depending on the day. <laughs> um, but actually, you really do, according to these teachers, you are sort of one all the time. It's your home base. You may see a little bit of yourself in all of them, but there's one that's sort of your core base. So for for lack of a better, because I just can't pick, we'll say I'm a five. What do we do with this information? Like, is it just good to know, you know, a number you can throw around? Is it a good pickup line? Like, hey, baby, I'm a five. See, I, I don't know that I would want to go out. I don't think that saying, hey, I'm a three would really be that, that great of a pickup line. But really, Molly, the point of the Enneagram personality test also is not to, uh, to date, to find, to find someone, uh, to cuddle up with on cold evenings. It's really learning to cuddle up with yourself, if True. you will, Molly. <laughs> and making yourself a better person to cuddle up with. Yeah, because the thing about the Enneagram that, that Lisa really emphasized was the fact that it's it represents your greatest strengths and also your greatest weaknesses combined and understanding how to uh, to, to kind of deal with both of those on your path towards personal development. Because, for instance, can we, can we talk a little bit about me, Molly? Of course, because actually when Lisa explained your number to you, it really made a lot of sense. <laughs> well, Molly, she said I need to worry, need to worry about being a, not being a liar. Well, it's good to know things about you. What but you no, say? she said no. She pointed out that, yes, you do have really high goals for yourself. You want to be successful. Yes. You want to, as she put it, take over the world. A lot of, you know... Famous people have gotten to their places of power by being threes, I'm sure. Um, yes. Uh, in fact, my, my celebrity three, threes partners are Tom Cruise and Demi Moore and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't really, never really identified with that trio before, but. But now you know. But now I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, supposedly I have this need to be charming and seductive and drawing attention to myself in my quest for Greatness, but by being charming and seductive, I might also be uh, completely deceitful. Right. I mean, you know, you might go and to any extent to get what you want, but just knowing that about yourself, yes, gives you the way to change that perhaps unconscious factor that you may be struggling with. And now we know that when you are trying to take over the world, that you have to try and be very. You have to just display the utmost in integrity. Yes. Now, Molly, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Let's talk five. about your five. Okay. Well, what I've learned, Kristen, is that I can sometimes avoid 
real, this sounds awful. I mean, this is the thing. It can make you really uncomfortable when you see things about yourself. Yeah. Kristen is really worried about being uh, so anxiously image conscious, but I, I was troubled to find out just the extent to which I will pull away from other people, stay in my fantasy world and be melancholy and moody. Well, you know, you are among good company, though, Molly, with uh, with other fives, including Albert Einstein and Sinead O'Connor and uh, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but yes, I mean, that's you. Let's let's go back to Einstein <laughs> instead of Marilyn Manson. You can have the tendency, I think, if you are trying to explain the world to yourself through knowledge and facts to only hang on to those. Yeah. And what I have to learn how to do is to let other people take the place of my cold, hard facts. Well, but people let me down, and facts never do. Well, Molly, now that we, we know a little bit, we're, we're just at the beginning of this journey with the Enneagram, but Lisa Oz has really kind of uh, used her number to improve herself, could we say? Yeah, I think we could say that. So let's just hear from her about what how she has used her number. Well, the way that I've found the Enneagram to be really helpful is in noting the ways that I behave in a habitual manner, um, and just totally reflexively, unconsciously, without any awareness. The one thing the Enneagram does is lets you see very clearly that you are not as unique and um, special as you thought you were. And when you first see your number, you're like, oh my gosh, this is me exactly. How can I be like a million other people? Um, but it lets, by seeing that though, it also gives you a better understanding of yourself and allows you to forgive yourself for some of the stuff that you do and let go of your attachment to it and move on. So I, I found it very personally liberating. Um, also seeing that within the Enneagram numbers, your greatest strength is also your downfall and vice versa. That thing which you struggle with mostly as you work through it becomes your greatest strength. So we're talking about these personality tests, Molly, and um, the, the first thing that popped up in my mind when we started researching this was how is this personality test any different or any more valuable than other tests such as Myers-Briggs? Because you and I have actually taken the Myers-Briggs here at How Stuff Works. We did a uh, career development. Yes, very uh, HR-friendly career development day where we all, everybody got together in a room, found out a Myers-Briggs Type. And one of the things actually you and I talked about that day, Kristen, was how our personality types kind of work together and putting together this podcast. Yes. But what we found out from Lisa was that, uh, you know, the Myers-Briggs can be very helpful, but the Enneagram personality test is really a different animal. The difference between this and the Myers-Briggs, um, and I have taken a Myers-Briggs test, but I haven't really studied what goes into it. Um, the difference with this is it's really something that you want to use to transcend your most habitual behavior. Um, with Myers-Briggs, I think it's more of just a labeling. Um, I think a lot of spiritual directors use the Enneagram so that the people they work with can get a, a better idea of where they are and then use that as a tool to move forward. I don't know that, that the Myers-Briggs is ever used in that way. Nor is like Zodiac typing, you know, you can be a Libra, but you never move beyond being a Libra. So now thinking back, Kristen, you know, I found out from Lisa that, you know, the Enneagram is more of a path forward, whereas the Myers-Briggs just sort of labels you, you know, you have to kind of deal with the fact that that's who you are, that you're an introvert or an extrovert. 
feeling, thinking, judgmental, et cetera, all those things. But one cool thing when we took that test was we were able to sit down together and say, how do our two personality types work together? Myers-Briggs personalities. Yes. And uh, I thought it was pretty illuminating. It, it showed sort of how we work together to put together the podcast. And that was one of my questions for Lisa when we talked to her is, if I am a five and Kristen is a three, are we going to be more successful? Are we going to be doomed to clash? I mean, I, I wanted to know really if if this was going to work out. And the the comforting thing, I think, about uh, the Enneagram test is that there really isn't a lot of information on, you know, well, if you're a five, then you need a nine, kind of like if you're a Sagittarius and you need your Aries or whatever it is. I just made that up. So astrology experts, don't don't get mad at me. Um, but the thing about the Enneagram is that it's more just um, working on yourself so that you can be better towards everyone, as Lisa will say much more eloquently right now. It's really, for me, knowing what other people's numbers are is only useful in that it can generate more compassion because you see that everybody's working from, it's the, the foundation of your Enneagram number is some childhood situation, some trauma that was developed in childhood. Every single reaction is based ultimately on some fear of not being adequate. So it's just the way that you respond to that, whether it's through being overly helpful or being um, combative or being artistic, we all are trying to find meaning and purpose and significance on these different paths. So understanding that someone who drives you crazy because they happen to be, you know, a certain number, say a seven and they're way too cheerful and they drive you nuts. When you understand that it's just their way of responding to the same fears that you're responding to in another way, it allows you to be a little bit more compassionate with them. Well, what a great note to end on more compassion for other people. I think even if you don't buy into personality tests or the Enneagram or anything, any of this, I think that it is helpful to remember that everyone's got something that they're working on. Let's be compassionate. Let's not judge. Yeah, and I think that we can all agree that certain aspects of our personality cause us to interact and react to other people in certain ways, in certain patterns that can probably be improved. So whether your path to improvement is the Enneagram personality test or just finding out what kind of cocktail you are and going from there, you know, we're all for that here at Mom Stuff. Yeah, we're all about exploring, exploring the inner mind. And if you do, uh, go take your Enneagram personality test, uh, threes, let me hear from you. Fives, if you can bear to leave your interior thought world. Yes, because threes, we need to get together in a collective unit to uh, take over the world. <laughs> Fives, we're just going to kind of stay with our own thoughts. <laughs> Speaking of thoughts, we shall now read the thoughts of our listeners who have already written us in. The email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. I shall start with an email from Isabel, and Isabel and I share the same birthday, by the way, and she wrote a little story about how her birthday came to be, and it relates to our Can You Get Pregnant on Your Period podcast. We talked about how even when women get pregnant, sometimes they have spotting a week or so afterwards, and under the, and they're under the impression that they are menstruating. They think they're in the clear pregnancy-wise. It made me think of when my mom got pregnant with me. She and my father have been trying for a while to get pregnant, and they finally got a positive at-home test. A week or so later, my mom got her period during work, so she called my dad. That night, she was out with her friends, and they were drinking, and since she wasn't preggers, she did shots with them. It was for that reason as well that later in the week, she cleaned the apartment with some, for lack of a better term, anti-pregnant women's stuff that would cause birth defects. All was good for a few more weeks, but my mom still felt weird. 
she got a test done at the hospital and she was indeed pregnant. She was tested and tracked for the first six months of her pregnancy with me and didn't tell anyone, even her mom, she was expecting just in case the test showed up that something was wrong with me. Well, there wasn't anything wrong. I'm 15 now. And so even if things go wrong in the first few weeks of a pregnancy, you can still turn out just fine and have a perfectly wonderful birthday. Excellent. Well, I've got one here from Nick, and this is in response to our podcast on body language. And he wanted to describe the way he first met his now girlfriend, who he is madly in love with. Um, and here's the story. He says, we were on the same couch with her legs facing away from me, with her torso in a neutral facing position. The eye contact was not constant, and the arms were mostly busied and or crossed throughout our initial conversation. Laughs and smiles on her behalf were minimal and professional as well. It was very much a situation where all signs were pointed to mediocrity in terms of body language. What did give her away was the slight anxiety I could sense in her general behavior. She's a strong woman, and that was clearly a sign of her being at least very concerned in how she was presenting herself to me. I instinctively read her tell and persisted to display my inviting body language along with pleasant conversation to open her up. In the end, I was right. We were both very attracted to one another on many levels initially, but her body language strongly masked this. If I hadn't continued with my agenda, we would have never gone further to fall deeply in love. So, number one, Nick, kudos to your insight. And uh, number two, congrats on your being in love. (laughs) That's precious, and it's springtime. But, you know, he does have a lesson. You can, there are more than one, there's more than one tell. Yes, and it's not just the head can't. So, guys, if the lady's not canting, doesn't mean you can't win her over. <laughs> it's in this that podcast. was funny. <laughs> all right, guys, that's what all we've got today. Uh, again, our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And if you'd like to read an article about the Enneagram personality test, head on over to our website. It's howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.